Now we've been, we've been talking about freedom in Christ. And today I want to talk about um, breaking the strongholds of emotion. <clears throat> breaking the strongholds of emotion. And life would be easy if, um, if everything was happy all the time. That would be good if everything was cool all the time and emotions were smooth all the time. But one of the things that we discover about life is emotions are all over the place. We have sadness and we have happiness, we have depression, we have excitedness, we have all kinds of emotions. We have fear and we have anxiety, we have all kinds of emotion that, that, that hit us every day. And half the problems that we face in the world, most of the problems we face in the world, really are emotional problems. They start, they feel like they're emotional problems. It's, we feel anxious when the kids are going to school. We, we're worried about them. You know, when the husband leaves for work and we're staying at home and he's not come home in time, we, we're fearful that he might have had a car accident and he might not come home or something like that. Have you ever thought that? Sometimes, yeah. You know, you hear a bang in the middle of the night when you're laying in your bed and you think, what's that? You know, and then you're... Your anxiety starts, or your panic, or you start to feel fear, or something starts going on. You get curious. Your emotions. It's all your emotions. So God gives us the ability to triumph in our emotions. I mean, God has emotions. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, God has emotions. So emotions are not a bad thing. God made them. He has them. And he has them stronger than what you have them. I mean, he hates like you wouldn't believe. He hates sin and bad stuff with an infinite hatred. He, he just hates it. He just, I mean, it doesn't stop. His hatred for sin just doesn't stop. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. And he loves. His love is so unbounding. He just has this incredible love for us. And it's limitless. It's infinite, his love for us. It just goes on and on and on. And he rejoices over us. God rejoices over us. He looks at us and he, he's excited. And then when they have a party in heaven because somebody repents from their sins and turns and changes from their sin, that party in heaven is one party happening. Well, the Bible tells us a party goes on when one person gives their lives to Jesus. It says the angels in heaven rejoice. See, all the rejoicing and all the happiness and all the gladness and all the, all the exuberance that come are God's creation. He's made it, he feels it, and he, he wants us to feel those things as well. In fact, he says that when heaven comes, all the crying and all the tears and all the suffering is going to go and cease for us. And when we're going to be in heaven, it'll be no more tears and no more crying. It'll be celebration and joy forevermore with him eternally. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? It'll be great. <laughs> so we're talking about how can I... Break the strongholds of emotion. It's interesting that uh, Cheryl talked about things today that the Lord laid on heart. That sometimes you get, you, you, something sticks on your life and you think it's part of your personality. You might have a disposition towards fear or something. You know, It might be part of your personality. You think it's always been part of you. But as you're growing older, you're thinking, no, I don't need to live like this all the time. I don't have this thing sticking on my life all the time. Why do I always feel anxious about stuff? Or why do I get panicky? Or why do I get depressed? Or why do I have to view things... In a, in a depressed way, you know, and you think, this, I, 
God doesn't want me to be like this. I know I've read the word. It doesn't seem that he wants me to be like this. And there seems to be a time when it seems to be that God is saying, you know, there are some things that you have to break that have to do with your emotions. You have to break the chains of those emotions so you can feel the emotion. Yes, and I'm not telling you to become emotionless. I'm saying feel the emotion, yes, but don't be controlled by the emotion. It's okay to feel fear. It's okay to feel anger. It's okay to feel the emotion. But whether that controls you or not, you know, if you get so fearful that you can't get out and can't do anything, then that fear is controlling you. Maybe fear is a good thing if it stops you walking too close to an edge or stops you putting your hand on a fire or something. It's a good thing. But when it stops you from doing what God wants you to do, it's not a good thing. So we've got to learn, we've got to learn that the emotions are okay to feel, but we shouldn't be controlled by those emotions. I kind of think emotions are like railway carriages. They go on behind the engine. You know, the locomotive is the thing that pulls the low. So your will and your mind and what you want to go in God is this way. It's the thing that's driving. The word of God is driving you and your emotions can come along behind them. You don't put your emotions there and you don't get controlled by your emotions. They just follow you wherever you go in life. You know? So we've got to learn to be, be able to break these strongholds of emotion. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25, so I, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires or the emotions or the passions of the flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, verse 25 says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now this is about walking with God. Life is about walking with God. It's not about doing a religious thing on a Sunday. This, this walk with Jesus is a, a walk that we enter into on a daily basis. So it has application for me tomorrow when I wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning, and, I, and if it's raining tomorrow, and I'm told 90% chance of rain tomorrow, it says on the thing, if it's raining tomorrow and I'm feeling lovely because it's, I can hear the, the rain falling on the tin roof and I'm just feeling really good about that, that might be nice, you know, but then something might happen during the day, you know, and it might cloud my mind and I might get, oh, it's not good. You know, my walk with Jesus is relevant for every moment of the day, whether it's a hardship or a happiness. It's relevant every moment of the day. So we've got to get to that place where we live in our freedom. Now, last week I talked about sometimes strongholds come on our life. Now, a stronghold is like a chain. It's like a chain. There's a, a bit of tape under there, but I, I suppose I'll can take it up you see it's a bit of sticky tape come here young man you know this is what the devil does usually when we're growing up in life or maybe even when our daddy was growing or maybe when his daddy's daddy was growing up in life you know something happened Something happened that kind of stopped him from moving real fast. You know, and when Brad was born, it happened again. Something happened that stopped him from moving the fast. And when Brad said to his daddy, Why is this so? Maybe Brad's daddy said, That's just the way it is for us 
That's what it's like for life. You can go back to your seat now. Oh, don't let me stop you. Off you go. Sit down. You see, yes, really. You see, life is like that. Sometimes the generation and the parents and the parents' parents, things happen and things start to tie us up. And we wake up and we just tied up. And we say, oh, it's not real nice. Jesus says, you shouldn't have strongholds in your life. Jesus cuts you free and makes you free from all these things. But you know, if we just do a religious thing, nothing changes. Nothing breaks off. We're still chained up. You can sit down now. Well, he doesn't want to, does he? Why doesn't he want to? He wants to be free. That's called a stronghold because it's holding him strong. I can break him free. You want to lose some hair? Jesus makes us free. Whether it's something that's come from something that's come back down through the generation, whether it's something that's happened in his life. He might have gone through something bad in his life and man, that chain just went round his ankle and I've been through some bad stuff. And ever since that bad stuff's happened in my life, I can't move the way I used to. I used to be able to function without fear, but now I don't. I was listening to my son talk about my granddaughter, Millie's aversion to teddy bears. They think it's funny, you know? that a child should be scared of teddy bears. Well, how did that get that? I can't eat. Could you get, just, just go down and sit on your seat and get that out? God wants us to be free from those sort of changes. We've got, we got little Miller. Now, you took her somewhere, didn't you? You took Miller somewhere and there was a little dog, little furry dog that ran up to her and she got frightened, didn't she? Is that what happened? Something? Something like that, anyway. But she's scared, of, she's scared of little teddy bears now. She doesn't like teddy bears now, you know. A traumatic experience. A dog <laughs> ran up to her. <laughs> and she goes... <laughs> and it's furry and it's making a noise and it's breathing all over me and it doesn't smell real good, you know. And then Dad brings out the little teddy bear. Yeah, Miller. And she goes, oh, one of those furry things again. And she doesn't want to go anywhere near a teddy bear. So sometimes those chains, those strongholds come on because, you know, it's something that's been in our family for generations and everybody in our family's been angry, you know. Or everybody in our family's got this disposition. Or sometimes it's just life, it's just taught us that. Or sometimes it's a traumatic experience that's put that chain around us. Anyway, or it might be all three, and it doesn't really matter. Anyway, Jesus doesn't want you to be chained up. He wants you to have peace in life. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 26 to 27. It says, But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I've said to you. So we know that Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit to come and be with us. He's coming to speak with us. He's going to teach us. He's going to teach. You know, if he teaches us how to get free, he's going to teach us how to be free. He's going to teach us how to live free. He's going to teach us how to break off the chains. He's going to bring those things because Jesus is all about setting people free. He says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He wants you to be free. And then he says to them, now, it's interesting to note at the point of time when Jesus is speaking to them, 
these guys, he just told them that he's going to go away and he's going to leave them. Now, they had been with Jesus for three years. I mean, he was their hero. He was God in the flesh and they knew it. He was God. He could raise the dead. They had seen it with their own eyes. He could make the blind see. He could make the lame walk. They had seen it with their own eyes. He could multiply fish and bread and feed 5,000 people and then again do it again and feed another 4,000 people. He had an incredible power. Jesus, he could walk on water. And they loved him to bits. And then he said to them, I'm leaving you now. I'm going away and you can imagine the abandonment they would have felt i mean if you had your best friend was sitting there and he could he could just pull out a bun and feed everybody with one bun and then pull out a piece of fish and multiply it a dozen times and feed everybody if he could make the lame walk and the blind to see if he could do all of that sort of stuff you'd be wanting him to stay you'd be wanting him to stay for some time in fact can you hang around until i'm dead because i just don't want to live without you around well that's better than the australian government isn't it he he supplies your needs better than the australian government it's better than centrelink isn't it i mean that jesus if he's there he's there you know he's got everything you need for life and godliness jesus is there wow and he's saying he's going so that will come somewhat distressed well they had built up this dependency on jesus they loved him so much they depended on him just like a child depends on a parent you know, and dad says, I'm going, mum says, I'm going, and the child's sitting there going, well, what about, what about me? Well, Jesus says, well, I'm sending someone to you. He's called the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's just like me. He's me, but he's a spirit. And he's going to come and live with you. And he's going to teach you all things. He's going to guide you. Well, they didn't have any idea. He says, no, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives it, do I give to you. That means I'm not going to give it and take it away again. I'm going to give it to you and it's going to be lasting. It's going to stay with you. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. Well, there's those emotions again, that trouble, anxiety and the fear. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Jesus has promised to shine into our lives He's promised to give us some, a friend who can walk with us and talk with us and teach us and guide us. He's promised to do that so that we can walk with Jesus all the days of our lives. And his peace can shine into our hearts. Now listen, this week we've probably had some difficult times. This week we've probably had some situations that have been hard for us. And your peace has been shaken somewhat. I would say that the ladies just before they gave birth to the babies... We're a little bit anxious about how that was going to work. They may have done it before, but it's never the same. You know, it could always be different, and it's always a little bit anxious. But afterwards, the peace comes because we get a bit of baby. It's so beautiful, just looks like it's mother. (laughs) But when those difficult times come, we lose the peace. I think every one of us here wants to have a deep peace that never goes away. Amen? Wouldn't that be great if no matter what situation you faced in life, there was this deep peace on the inside that was like a calm sea. It wouldn't matter if somebody was throwing eggs at you or throwing tomatoes at you or jumping up and screaming at you. Inside of you, there was a deep peace that never went away. Wasn't frightened. I want some of that. Who wants some of that? Raise your hand. 
Turn to the neighbor beside you. Give me some of that. I want some of that. I want some of that peace. He says, my peace I leave with you. Jesus was going away. He was going to leave his peace with us. And the peace comes with the peace, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace has come to take up his dwell within us. Now last week we talked about taking captive every thought. He said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, we read these words. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So we don't fight the battles like the world fights battles. We don't have guns and we don't have missiles and we don't have bombs. Christians don't war with guns, missiles and bombs. So if you hear about Christians who are picking up arms and going to fight, well then that's a good indication they lost the way. You know... Christians die well, we fight the fight of, uh, in the spirit, but we do not fight with our fists and we do not fight with a gun because the war we, warfare we fight with is it's different. He says, do not resist, says Jesus. This is one for pacifists. Do not resist the man who is evil. He says, if he hits you on the cheek, turn him the other side. So he's telling you that it's not a warfare, it's not a fight where you have to get a bigger gun and shoot somebody because you're a Christian, you know? Let's get a bigger gun and shoot somebody who's not a Christian. Become a Christian or I'll blow your brains out. Oh yeah, I'd love to know Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. That's not evangelism. That's not Christian. Christian is, okay, if you don't like me, you can kill me, but I love Jesus anyway. And if you want to have the love that I have, you can give your life to Jesus too. Well, we don't want to love Jesus. Well, you, we're going to kill you. Okay then I'll die. I've got this peace inside of me that will not be shaken by death. So we don't wage war like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. They have God's power. They are mighty in God to demolish or to pull down strongholds. And we talked about how that you're taking the peace down. You're taking down strongholds. We demolish arguments, the thinking process. And every pretension, which is a lying thing or imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want to talk to you about where emotions get their power from today. Emotions get their power from your thinking. The more you think about something, the stronger you will feel about it. And then you will probably do something about it. So there's a correlation between what you think about and what you're feeling. So when I first met my wife, I looked at her and I thought, she's lovely. And God told me that I was to marry her. I said, fine. And I said to God, well, I don't feel anything toward her. I'm not feeling my heart going, ha, 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 beat, beat, beat. My, 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 my breath, I don't look at her and go, oh, she's lovely. No, because I wasn't even thinking about her before God told me to marry her. He just dropped that in on me. So two weeks later, I asked her out to dinner and I said, would you like to marry me? And she said, yes, I suppose. At that point of time, she says, well, I don't even know whether I love you. I don't even know you. Yeah, because she hadn't been thinking about me either. I hadn't thought about her and she hadn't thought about me. So we weren't really feeling very connected. We were talking about marriages, which are pretty connected, but we weren't emotionally connected. She said, but I don't think I love you. And I said, well, that's what the engagement will do. You know, when you hang out together, you start thinking about each other more. And so I would go around and visit a place and I would see her and I'd look into her eyes and say, this is my wife. And I'm thinking, 
my wife. Boy, that's a big call. Uh, but that's right. God wants me to do that. I feel happy about that. And she'd look at me. She says, my husband. And pretty soon, it wouldn't take long. It didn't take long. It only took a few, few months. And we were feeling like, oh, my wife. And she was, my husband. You know, we were feeling hot towards one another. You know that hot feeling you get inside when you're looking at someone and say, that's hot. Ah. She was feeling hot when she's looking at me and I was feeling hot when I was looking at her. We were hot for one another. You know why? Because we were thinking about each other more. The more you think, the more you feel. Thank God for getting married. Sooner than later. <laughs> because you're connecting, thinking is always going to increase more when you're thinking about... Your feelings are going to increase more when you're thinking about something. Let's have a look. If you have a belief about something, if you believe something, it usually gives you a passion about that thing that you're believing about. And then you usually do behavior. So I have, we had a guy who came here and he believed that you shouldn't eat pig. Pig was terrible food. Pig was unclean. And he believed that. Well, he'd been taught that. He was thinking that. He was thinking that all the time. And so he came to one of our fellowship luncheons and he says, uh, I must not eat pig. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll, you tell me what you're going to, and I'll tell you whether it's got pork in it or not. You know, he's thinking, 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 thinking. I believe I can't eat pig. So he went and got his food, and he forgot to ask me, did it have pig in it or not? And so he picked some of Jenny's quiche, which has got ham in it. So he sits beside me, eats it all. And then he says to me, what is this? And he pulls a little bit of ham out the side of the quiche that he's just about finished. I said, uh, that's Ham. He says, what is ham? Pig. Well, some of you may have been here. He ran. And he ran all the way down over there. And he was violently ill. He was sick. Why? Because he believed strongly. Because he believed strongly. He had a passion about something. And when that passion was confronted with something that he wasn't normal, it produced in him a vomiting out you know if if he says oh i've never had pig before hmm that tasted okay well he wouldn't believe so much so it wouldn't affect him so much but he strongly believed that produced that passion i can't eat pig which produced that behavior now i'm going to be sick because i ate some pig it's the same with our demandingness you know like the things that we demand in life what should be going on here you might have heard yourself this week say you shouldn't do that or you might have said something this must never happen to me or you might have heard yourself saying you know that ought not to take place should ought and must they're all words that show that you're demanding something you have a judgment about something if you have a strong judgment about something you're saying you shouldn't it's a strong belief 
Every time you say should, ought or must, you know you're saying something that you strongly believe. It, there's a demand there. You must not do this. It must not happen. This should not happen. It ought not happen. Hmm? So when it does, and it's out of your control, you will probably feel some strong emotion. What's the strong emotion you probably feel? Anger or frustration. You say, well, where did that anger and frustration come? Well, it's coming from thinking. Your strong thinking has produced that strong emotion. I must not, ought not, should not eat pig. I eat pig? Oh, I've eaten pig. Oh, I'm angry now. I'm ang- I can never come back to your church again because you feed me pig. I'm angry at you, Mark. Okay, I'm sorry. Jenny, it's your fault. You made the ham. (laughs) So the anger comes, the frustration comes, the strong emotion comes because it's connected to the thinking. You understand that? Your emotional state is connected directly to your thinking. So if you want to change your emotional state, you have to change your thinking. You have to change the way you are thinking to change the way you are feeling. Everybody say that. I must change the way I think. Hear me hear you say it. If I am to change the way I feel. Jesus said that exactly. You need to know what Jesus thinks. Because if you know and believe what Jesus thinks, then your emotions will be in the right place where they ought to be. If you believe a lie, if you believe something that Jesus doesn't want you to think, you're probably wrapped up with something around your legs and you won't get along through life. When things are not the way that you very much like them to be and you're getting seriously frustrated and you can't control yourself, it's probably because you think that everything has to go your way. And Jesus says, you will suffer persecution. It's not going to go. You get ready to suffer if you live a godly life. Well, if you don't believe that's going to happen, you're going to get frustrated when it does. Our emotions are a result of our thinking. It's like hunger, you know. It goes that thing. Hunger is something that our body is telling us that we need to have food, you know. And it produces a physical pain in us. So the body has this sort of pattern written down and it says you must eat. If you don't eat, you're going to die. So when you get hungry, it says eat. And the way it tells you to eat it, it makes you feel like you have to eat. You get hungry. Like when you get thirsty, it makes you feel like you have to drink. So you get a physical pain, a physical pain that produces an action inside you. No, your thinking can produce an emotion that is like a physical pain. You can actually have that emotion so strong that you physically feel it. Anxiety and fear can be so strong that you stand there and you can't move your Stuck to the ground and you're so fearful, your whole body is shaking. You can feel so much desire inside that it, it's painful. It hurts you inside. I look at my wife and I think, I love you so much, it's hurting me inside. Who knows that sort of love? We love someone so much it hurts on the inside. Yeah, look at them looking at each other. Yeah, it's true, it's true. Desire... Is like that. It's like the hunger. And it can produce this strong desire called lust. 
a strong pressure. It's coming from your thinking as well. And it produces itself in physical pain. You don't know what it's like to be addicted, Mark. If you knew the pain that I go through because of my addiction, you wouldn't think it was just thinking. It's real pain I'm feeling. We all got addictions. Turn to the person beside you and said, What's your addiction? You've all got them. You don't believe me, do you? You try stopping eating food. Don't eat food for a week. Guess what? You'll discover after the first day you're addicted to food. Try stopping drink. Guess what? You'll find. You'll find you're addicted to, to drinking water. You're addicted to it. If you stop it, your body's going to scream. You go, oh, your head will go all foggy. You'll, you'll say, oh, I don't think I can go through life. Your emotions will be all over the place. You get angry. You get frustrated. You go, all oh, these things. I need food. It only takes three days without food and you'll go and do something really crazy. Really, really stupid. I need to have food. You know, where's that rubbish bin? I never thought I'd ever do this. Oh, look, half a hungry jacks. Um. Well, the thing that hunger will do for you. You know, Song of Solomon says about sexual love, this is why you, you've got to be careful where you start things, young people. We're told that young people as young as 12 or 13, and I think it's probably earlier than that now, start thinking about sex early. Early. Like, I mean, we, we, well, I must have been 25 before I... <laughs> that was a fib. <laughs> it was 24 and a half. No! Listen. But they're starting thinking early about these sort of things. And the Bible tells us in Song of Solomon, says, this is chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Don't start thinking about it. Don't think about it, because if you think about it, pretty soon it's going to get at you. Don't start the engine on the motor unless you're ready to drive it. You know, if you're not old enough to drive the car, don't start the car up. Don't start the engine up. Don't sit in the car and go, you can't go anywhere with it unless you're going to break the law. It's the same with your desires. It's the same with things. Don't start doing something, young people. Before you get caught in addiction, don't start something that you can't stop. Don't start something before it's time. Wait, because this thing, when you start thinking about this thing, it's going to rev you to silly. You know, watch what's why. That's why this world is so controlled by Satan. He puts it in front of you on the TV, and you see it all the time. It's sitting in front of you. I can't stop thinking about it. I keep on seeing it in front. Of you. Turn the TV off then. Don't look at it on your TV screen because it's going to start the engine, and you'll start thinking about it. And when you start thinking about it, you'll start feeling about it. And the more you think about it, the more you feel about it until you're shaking with it. I don't know what to do about it. I'm just thinking about it all the time. I'm all the time thinking about it. It's just there. It's there in my mind the whole time, the whole time. And that's a stronghold in your mind. The only way to break that is you've got to take the stronghold, the thinking process, and put it down. But I don't know anybody who could think big pink cower. Can you see the big pink cower? Hold that in your mind now, the big pink cow. What color is it? Pink. What is it? What's your age? Big pink cow. You see, you can't tell me how old you are while you're thinking big pink cow. You've got to put the big pink cow down and think, oh, how old am I? Today I'm 
You see, you can't think two things at the same time. Count to ten in your head. I feel, when I tell you, you start counting to ten in your head, nice and slowly, as a second for every number, like one, two. I'll tell you when to start. And when I say, tell me your name, I want you to call your name out really. Okay, in your head, count to ten. Now, what's your name? You can't, you see, you can't do it. What's your name? Well, wake up, what? call out your name. You see, you can't call out your name while you're thinking and counting. So now we'll do it again. Count in your head. One to ten. And this time, call out your name when I tell me, what's your name? Ready? From one. What's your name? What happened to your thinking? It stopped. It stopped. Because you can't think and speak something different to what you're thinking. That's a real wonderful little lesson right there. If you're thinking something really bad, why don't you stop that thinking by speaking the word of God? Oh, mind, you're thinking this. But you know what the word of God says? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, what happened to the fearful thing? God did not give me a spirit of fear. He gave me one of love and power and of sound mind. You know, what happened to the thinking, the thing that's building all the wrong emotions? It's, it's been confronted by the word of God, which you are speaking out of your mouth. And the mind stops and the feeling goes away. There's a little truth right there. A little truth right there. Thinking produces feeling, and your feeling produces your activity or your action or your behavior. So you're going to either believe God and think what God thinks, or you're going to believe the devil and believe your emotions or believe the word of God. You know, emotions are primarily the product of what we have chosen to think and believe. That's primarily. What you choose to think and believe about yourself, what you choose to think and believe about other people, that will produce... Your emotions. You might hate black people. I don't. I love black people. But you might have been beaten up by black people all your life. When you were growing up, black people beat you up. As you're a little boy, they beat you up. I can't imagine how they would do that, but they maybe did, you know. And, and so you grew up thinking that black people are going to beat me up and hurt me. So every time you see a black person, you're going to, ah, black person, I hate black people. You know what? They are so bad, they beat me up when I was a little. And so your whole life is lived by a fear of black people because that happened earlier. And it's a thought process. Not every black person is going to beat you up. The ones here will probably hug you and kiss you. They won't hurt you. They will love you, won't they, Esther? You will love everybody here. And so there's a, there's a, your thinking is a product that produces the emotion. And the more we commit ourselves to believe what God says is true, the less we will experience the control of anger and anxiety and fear and depression. The more we believe what God says, it changes the way we think and that changes the way we feel. So all of those horrible negative emotions that you feel that come across you like a cloud. You see in the cartoons where the car, guy's standing there, Corridy's standing there, and a big cloud rolls over his head you know, and, it's like, and it shoots lightning down onto his head zip 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 it's like something's rolled in I, I was walking with um, some people working with some people this week and i sat with them in the car and as we were going um something happened that was frustrating for them and so immediately it was like a black cloud came over that 
their heads. And it was like lightning. It was every time the lightning struck, I said, you know, have a mint, you know, it's the, it's change your mind, you know, change your mind. I can't change my mind. And I said, I said something different out of the, oh, and they start thinking about something. All of a sudden the black cloud rolls away. Oh, that didn't take long to shift, did it? Oh, we're back to normal again. And then half an hour later, another black cloud rolls in, you know, something else frustrated. And I said, you know, shift the cloud. Change your mind. If you change your mind, you will change the way you feel. But you have to shift it. You cannot sit there and expect it to roll away by itself. It will not. You have to move it in God. Ephesians says this, therefore putting away lying and anything that comes into your mind that is not according to what God says is a lie. Let us put away lying, let each one of you speak the truth to his neighbour for we are members of one another. It says be angry and do not sin. So it's not saying don't feel the emotion. It says when you feel the emotion, don't do what the emotion is telling you to do. You can feel it but don't do it. I can feel angry, but I don't need to respond in, in anger. I don't need to retaliate. I can feel anger, but I don't need to say something. I can feel the anger, but I don't need to do anything about it. It says be angry and don't sin. So, so you can feel the anger, but then you can change things. At that point, you can stop it. You can put a gate up and say, I can feel the anger. That's okay to feel the anger, but I can change it now because the anger tells me I'm thinking something. I can change it by changing my thinking. I can speak truth to myself. I am not out of control here. I might feel anger because something's coming at me and I'm thinking, I'm just going to, oh, I'm so angry. How could this be? I'm like, oh. But I can stop it right there and say, you know what? The peace of Jesus lives inside of me because the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Prince of peace dwells within me. I am in control because the Holy Spirit gives me the fruit of self-control. I don't have to do anything about this. And I can say that to myself. I can speak it out like that. And yet the anger will just go... Collapse on the ground. It can't control me. I learn to break it off. It's like taking that stuff there. My daddy used to always get angry at me. No, he didn't. This is something. I'm just, uh, he used to always, so I always get angry now. Everywhere I go, that's my big thing. I get angry, you know? Well, you know, Jesus doesn't make me angry. He gives me peace. He's in control. I can handle this. I can walk free. I just take the chains off. But what, what do you want? Do you want somebody else to do that for you? You want to come up and say, oh, Mark, when you go and fast and pray for, for 500 years, then come and lay your hand on my head. When your hand touches my head, I'll feel the power of God. That's the spit of Mark. I'll feel the power of God. And then I'll break all those chains of anger will break and I'll be free from anger. But you know what? I can't do that for you. Jesus doesn't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. You have to put it off, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on something new. 
So when it starts bugging you, you have to say, oh, you know, how long am I going to let this thing bug me? This is not me. You know, I grew up with this. This is what Cheryl said. I grew up with this. This is, But this is not me anymore. I'm different now. So I'm going to take this off now and I'm going to put Jesus on in the inside. I'm renewing my mind because I'm changing my mind because that changes my emotions. I'm changing my mind, changes my emotions. I'm putting a new head on, a new thought, of, and I'm going to live in a new emotion. It might take a little long. It might take a little while, but you keep on practicing that thing and you will change you will change it won't hold you anymore it'll drop off you won't have any chains anymore you'll walk free you'll have that peace on the inside the peace of god that flows like a river will be bursting up inside of you you'll have peace on the inside nothing will shake you you choose your chains you choose your chains or you choose to be free No one's telling you you have to be there and stay there. The Word of God tells you you can take it off and you can change it and it can make it different for you. You choose those things. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He says, resist him steadfast in your faith. A faith is a belief. It's a strong belief. It's a, it's a process of thinking that says, God, you know, you give me power to resist. You know what, it goes something like this. We get married to this thing. We get married to it. We get so used to it, we think we're kind of wed to it. It says, do not give the devil a foothold. Way this way. Where do we see? Do not give the devil a foothold or a place. You know, the, the, the problem is this because it's happened so long, that's where the devil lives. That's his place. Right there. That's just me. Don't mess with me, because that's where the devil lives. I give him a place. We kind of we're here together. The devil and me. You don't even think you do that, but you do it because you let his thinking rest in your head. It sits in there and it starts to control you, and then all of a sudden you start doing what the devil would do, even though you don't want the devil there. You're doing it because you've given him a place. We get married to him. Well, so this is called sin. But we're going to make it devil now. We're going to call it Mr. Sin. Mr. Sin. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 6. And we're going, to, we're going to read some passages through Romans chapter 6. And we're going to call it Mr. Sin, not sin. And you will see what you do. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin... That grace should abound. Well, shall we continue with Mr. Sin? That grace shall abound. Should I continue doing the wrong thing, filling my little bucket with all the wrong things, living with Mr. Sin, walking with Mr. Come on, Mr. Sin, walking with Mr. Sin, living with Mr. Sin, knowing it's the wrong thing to do, 
and then expecting Jesus to keep on forgiving me for having a relationship with Mr. Sin. Should I do that? Well, he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to Mr. Sin live to it any longer? So he's saying there's got to be a separation, like, boom, like that. Go, he's out of my life now. Mr. Sin is dead. I'm dead to Mr. Sin. Okay, what does it say? It says, knowing this, in verse 6 and 7 of Romans chapter 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with us. So the old man is the old Mr. Sin. He was crucified with Jesus, that the body of Mr. Sin, everybody say the body of Mr. Sin, should be done away with. Oh, Mr. Sin is here again. So we are... Crucified with Christ. So Jesus crucifies himself and we are kind of crucified with him. So Mr. Sin is crucified with him. He says, he's put to death and somehow we are raised to a new life. Where's Mr. Sin? He's over there on the cross. He's been crucified. Can you get down? Hey, come over here. Can you come over here? They can't. You're stuck on the cross. Hey, I'm over here now. Can you, can you come over here? You can't control me from there, can you? You can't control me from there. Why? He's nailed on the cross with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I can live over here and have a good time over here. And you can't get to me, can you? Because you're stuck on the cross, aren't you? You've been crucified on the cross and you're stuck on the cross and you can't get, I can do, I can walk over here and do all this sort of stuff over here. And it's fantastic. And I'm having a fun time without Mr. Sin. Because Mr. Sin has been crucified with Jesus. That the body of death, the death of Mr. Sin, is taken away from me. So he can't control me anymore. That's what, the, that's what it says. That we should no longer be slaves to Mr. Sin. He's nailed on the cross and I can't be a slave to somebody who's nailed on the cross. Can, he can say, you do what I say. You do it now. I say, okay, you come down and make me. You come down and make me do what you say. You do what I say, I'll hurt you. Are you going to hurt me? How can you hurt me? You're nailed on the cross. You can't control me. You can't control my life. Oh, yeah, but listen. Feels like he does, doesn't it? For he who has died has been freed from Mr. Sin. Now, either that's true or that's a lie. It's either true or it's a lie. If it's a lie, then I would expect you all to be living in bondage. Not able to control yourself. Not able to be free. But if it's true and you're living in bondage, then you've believed a lie and you've been controlled by that wrong thought, which is producing wrong emotions, which is, which is enslaving you. Romans chapter 6, verse 12, 13 says, And do not let Mr. Sin reign. The word reign is to control, rule over you. Do not let Mr. Sin Reign in your body, in your mortal body, that you should obey Mr. Sin's lusts. So Mr. Sin has a whole lot of ideas that he wants you to do. He just and if you, he says, do not let him control your body. Because if you do that, he's going to be trying to control you. He said, Don't let him rule on you. Don't let him reign. He says, and do not present the members as instruments. What are your members? Everybody show me your members. These are your members. This is your members. 
It's your members. Everything that's part of your body is your members. Your members of your body. He says, do not present your members to unrighteous, of unrighteousness to Mr. Sin. You want a drink? I know you're an alcoholic, but you would like a drink? You know, if I offered him a drink and he stretched out his head, he's actually giving his body, his member of his body to serve Mr. Sin. Mr. Sin's coming to him and saying, would you like something? Would you like to have a look at this? I got this little thing. Would you like to see it? And if you pick up your hand and you go and take it, or if you pick up your hand and you go to drink it, or if you pick up your mouth and put it on it, whatever you do with your body, you are giving it to Mr. Sin to control. It says, do not give the members of your body to Mr. Sin so he can control you. Sit there and say, no, this body ain't being controlled by Mr. Sin. Nothing in this body is going to be controlled by Mr. Sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So you have to choose. When your emotions come flooding in and you feel strongly and Mr. Sin starts saying, I got control of you. You know I got control of you. My dad, your daddy used to do this. Your mummy used to do this. And now you're going to do this. You're saying, well, that's all a lie, you know, because Jesus has control of me now. Not my mummy, not my daddy, but Jesus has control of me now. So that must be Mr. Sin talking to me. So I'm not going to take my body and I'm not going to give my body to Mr. Sin to do what he's telling me to do because I'm changing my mind. I'm saying that Jesus has got control of my mind and he's going to hold my thinking. I'm going to have my thoughts with Jesus and I'm not going to put my thoughts with Mr. Sin, with my daddy or my mummy or anything that's gone beforehand. I'm having a new mind about this. And my body ain't going to do what Mr. Sin is asking me to do. It can feel... Look, how many people have done fasting here? One or two days. You see, three days, maybe four. If you fast for seven days, it's a big one. It's not a real big one, but it's a big one. After the first day, you usually feel... Everything inside you really hurts, you know? And you know why it hurts? Because your body says you're addicted to food. You've got to eat. So you're actually wrestling now with your body. You're getting food withdrawals. You want to eat food. You go to bed, you put yourself to bed, you go to sleep. You probably dream about food, but you go to sleep anyway. You wake up in the morning and the hunger pains are not so strong. You get out of the house, you do something, you walk, you just... All of a sudden you recognize that you're feeling like you're not hungry. Not so bad anymore. You might get another couple of twinges of hunger. You might smell the sausage roll as you're going down the street. It makes you feel hungry again or something. But then you push it aside and then all of a sudden you get to the third day and you don't feel hungry at all. In fact, you feel strong. You feel clean. You've stopped going to the toilet. You feel good. You feel invited. You're vigorous. You feel like you're entering into a strong part in your walk. In the fast, it's a strong part. After the initial break of that thing off your life, you ask an anorexic if they feel hungry. And an anorexic will tell you they don't even feel like they want to eat food. They've gone past it. It doesn't even affect them. And they can stop eating and they'll stop eating till they die. The, last, the next time they get hungry is the time just before they die. If they don't eat, they die. So you can control it. It's not out of control. It's that you're choosing not to control it. 
And then once you do control it, you can enter into another place where it doesn't control you. That's in a physical sense, just with fasting. Some of you will feel, I can't, I've got to eat my food, I get all shaky. Yeah, well, I know. But you can get to a place where it doesn't affect you anymore. So you can actually get to a place where you don't feel the pain. Then in chapter 7, Paul talks about marriage. And I said, marrying to Mr. Sin, being married to Mr. Sin is the problem. Before we come to Jesus, we were married to Mr. Sin. Mr. Sin was the one who was controlling our lives and he, we did what he told us to do and we did it when he told us to do it and we had no freedom about that. We were chained up and we were tied to Mr. Sin. When Jesus came into our lives, Mr. Sin had to leave. He was nailed to the cross and, and Jesus came and lives in the side of us. And so now we are married to Jesus, although our head is thinking like we're still married to Mr. Sin. You know why? Because I learned some things when I was with Mr. Sin. When I was Mr. Sin, I learned some stuff when I was with Mr. Sin. And when I learned that stuff, it came a habit to me. You know, I, you know, what happens when you hear a bang? Well, you jump because you're scared of something. You know that? Well, I learned that because that's what I learned. But Mr. Sin is no longer there because he's nailed to the cross. He can't control you anymore. He's out of the picture. But you still jump because your mind still thinks that way. He's not there to control you, but your mind still thinks that way. So you've got to change the way you think to change the way you feel. Either Mr. Sin is in control... Or Jesus is in control. You are married to Jesus now. Mr. Sin is gone. So Paul uses this analogy. He says, For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of a husband. So you know, you've got to think this one through. If you are married to Mr. Sin, you can't be free. So anybody who comes to you and says, you know, I don't believe in Jesus, but I can, I'm not bound by sin, that's a lie, because they are. Because sin just binds us up. They might not have the habits that you have. They may have different ones, but they're still bound by chains. Everybody is bound by chains. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. So everybody's got chains. But when you come to Jesus, the old sin, Mr. Sin, is dead now, and you live with Jesus, so you're married to Jesus. So you don't have to do what Mr. Sin says anymore. You're free. But what is it then when we go to this thing? It says, What I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do I do not practice. But what I hate I do. And then he goes on and he says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. To the law of Mr. Sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? So he's saying, I feel like I'm still chained to a dead man. Like the thing that I want to do, I know I want to do it, but I just can't do it. Now listen to me. Either you are free or you're not free. You don't have to feel like you are free. You don't have the emotion that you're free, but you're either free or you're not free. And if you are free and you don't feel free, you're like an elephant who stands in the field and they drive a stake into the ground. And it's first, they, this is how they train an elephant. They put an elephant there as a baby, they put a chain around its leg and they put it to an immovable rock. So no matter how the elephant pulls, it can't pull because it can't shift the rock. 
So it knows the chain is connected to the rock, the rock is connected to the field, I can't move. I have to stay where I am because I cannot pull, I cannot pull, I cannot pull against it. Ah, it's a big elephant now. It's a mighty strong elephant. You take it, it's still got the chain around its leg, and you drive a peg into the ground. Just a little peg. And it's got the chain on it. Well, the elephant looks at it, and an elephant has got a good memory. It says, I can't move that. But what's the reality? The reality is it can move it. It can just go like that and the peg will pull out and it can just keep on walking. But you know what? It doesn't think that. It thinks old, not new. It thinks it's still chained to Mr. Sin. It thinks I can't move this thing. I couldn't move it last time. I couldn't move it before. And now I'm stuck with it. I can't move this thing. Well, that's a lie because it's been changed now. You need to have a new ruler, a new controller in your mind. You've got no chains on you. You can walk free. You're not stuck in the past. You're ready for the future. And the old Mr. Sin is nailed to the cross. The guy that was controlling you is taken away so you can be free. So you need to speak it out. I will be free. I will be loosed. I will be free. I will not be chained up by this thing. I don't care how long my grandfather had this or my father had this or my mother had this. I will not be chained by this. I will be free because Jesus is in control of my life. You need to speak that out of your mouth. Change your thinking and you will change your feelings. And when you change your feelings, you will change your behaviour. It changes your life. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. You can't be married to the devil and you can't be married to God. You can't be married to both. You've got to choose today. You might feel like you're chained up but you need to shake your mind and tell yourself the truth speak the truth to each other and if Christ is in you the body is dead because of Mr. Sin but the spirit is alive because of righteousness but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. You need to shake your head and say, I've been believing the wrong thing for too long. It's time for me to walk free. It's time for me to walk away. Don't tell me I can't because Jesus says I can. Don't tell me I'm stuck. I'm not stuck. I choose to think differently. I know the emotions will come flooding in and tomorrow I'll feel like I'm all chained up again. But that feeling doesn't mean that I have to feel that way and stay that way. I can look and I can think and say, you know what, Mr. Sin, get lost. 
As soon as I feel the bad stuff, I can turn around, I can say to it, you're Mr. Sin, you're nailed to the tree, you can't control me. Jesus lives inside of me. I guarantee you today, right now, if next time you feel the temptation coming at you and it's knocking on your door and says, come on, come on, you want a bit of this, you want some more of this. If you look at it and you say, you know what, Mr. Sin, I'm no longer married to you, I'm married to Jesus. And if you say that to it, it will run away. It will resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's not a big battle. You just have to push and you'll find you'll pull that peg right out of the ground. There is nothing that stops you except you and your mind. You've got to move with Jesus. When it comes knocking on your door, I'm feeling those emotions. You've got to say to those emotions, that's because you're thinking the wrong thing. Stand up and resist it. Talk to Mr. Sin like he was standing there in front of you. Do not give him a place for him to live with you. As soon as you feel it, ah, Mr. Sin, you don't live with me any longer. You don't have a place with me. Jesus is in me. The Prince of Peace is in me. I'm going to walk with him. You know why you don't have victory? Because you won't resist. Because if you did resist, the peg would come out of the ground. It's true. I know it's true. Because I used to be chained with balls and chains. And now I'm free. You choose your master. You've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. And you will serve the one you choose. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Turn to the person beside you and choose Jesus today. Tell them, choose Jesus today. When it's hard, choose Jesus. When it's tough, choose Jesus. You don't have to live with chains anymore. You can be free emotionally to serve God because you can control your emotions by controlling your mind. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we know that this is truth. We know that your word is truth. We know that you have desired for us to walk with you to talk with you, to open our minds to you, to let you speak into our hearts and into our minds and to walk with your word on our lips. We know that your word breaks every chain. And Lord, we just ask you to help us to walk free this week. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.